You are now tuned in to the December 26th podcast, where we encourage you to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode four of the December 26th podcast. I am your host, Delisha. Thank you so much for tuning in and happy belated MLK Day. I hope everyone had an awesome holiday weekend. I know I did. I try to take a few moments to reflect on the man himself, Martin Luther King Jr., and the sacrifices that he and his family made for the betterment of our people. I know I have an immense level of gratitude for the trails that he blazed that inevitably made way for greater opportunities for people of color like myself. So salutes to him. Also not mad at the federal holiday in his honor. Hopefully many of you got a chance to take that day off. But even if you didn't, just engage in a little active service this week in honor of MLK. I know I plan to do that and I hope you'll do the same. Now the holiday weekend actually inspired today's topic. How many of you had MLK Day off and before the holiday was even over, were talking about how much you needed another day off or were dreading going back to work altogether? How many of you engage in this narrative anytime you have a vacation or a couple of days away from your work or your business? I can relate. I have been there in previous jobs. And while I'm crafting a career that I love, I feel that way sometimes even today. I don't know about you, but the majority of the people that I know do not enjoy their work. I can probably count on one hand the people that I know personally who are excited to get out of bed in the morning and go to their jobs or their respective businesses. The majority of people, I think, have a chronic dread or dissatisfaction, if not downright hatred, for the place where they get their paycheck. In generations before mine, I think the philosophy was you get a job, preferably a good job, and you hold on to it as long as you can, hopefully until retirement. You take care of your family, you pay your bills, you build a little bit of a nest egg if you can, and that's it. You keep your head down, you don't complain. Nobody cares whether you enjoy the job or not. It's a job. It's not meant to be enjoyable. It's meant to give you the means to support yourself and those that you love. Now we live in a day and age where people have more exposure to opportunities out in the world. And I think that that creates a longing and a desire to do work that they're actually passionate about because there are people out there who are doing just that. And we want to all have that experience if possible. And that is okay. But there's often a question that comes with that desire. How do you know when it's the right time to leave that job or business that you hate in search of an opportunity that you enjoy? How do you know when it's the right moment to jump ship on a situation that no longer serves you in pursuit of something better? Now, people ask me this question all the time because I've taken leaps at various points in my career. I've done so as an employee and I've done so as a business owner. I've been in a situation where my leap was overly calculated and I had a step-by-step plan to follow. I've also been in a situation where I said, you know what, forget this. I am done. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what's next for me, but I know it ain't this and I'm moving on and I'll figure it out as I go. Now, in both scenarios, there were bumps in the road. And if I had to do it all over again, there are some things that I would probably do differently. If you listened to previous episodes, you may recall that I turned down a job offer to come to New York and pursue a career in media and entertainment. And thanks to one of my influencers and connectors, I began to get freelance work within the industry. If you don't know what an influencer and connector is and why you need them, do me a favor, listen to the previous episodes, particularly episode two. But I digress. In any event, so I started doing this freelance work and it was good when it was good, but then when it wasn't, it was problematic. So I started to seek other freelance work in other areas of the legal industry. That led me to 
an opportunity that was not only to work freelance, but eventually led to an offer of employment. And this was with a litigation firm. Now, little known fact about me, I absolutely hate litigation. I know when people think about lawyers, you probably think courtroom, arguing, taking depositions, filing motions, et cetera, et cetera. That is not a part of the law that I enjoy. I am a transactional attorney to heart. I like negotiating contracts. I enjoy the art of the deal. I like closing deals and popping champagne afterwards. Um, But I happen to be a really good litigator. So the position that I took, I did so solely because of the money that was attached and the job security. I panicked a little bit living this freelance life with all of my education and the student loans that come with that. And I said, you know what? This may not be the work that I'm passionate about, but I'm going for it. And that decision came at a cost. When I look back on my time at that firm, I just recall being under an immense amount of stress and overtired at all times. And I want to say this, it wasn't the worst environment to work in. It wasn't the most toxic job. I just never wanted to be a litigator, never wanted to be in that role. So why I took that job, honestly, when I look back on it, it was a dumb decision. But in any case, um, I just remember being in a trial by fire type position where I was learning as I go. I can remember waking up in the middle of the night in hives, having anxiety about whether I was ready to take the deposition the next day. Did I file that brief correctly? Did I cite the case law correctly? I just never felt good because I wasn't sure of myself and it wasn't work that I enjoyed at all. So I started plotting my great escape. I knew I had to set some things in motion and get out of there before I was completely burnt out on the job. So it was actually one specific ridiculous email that sent me over the edge and was the final nail in the coffin. I remember this week vividly. It was like Wednesday morning and I had already worked at that point over 40 hours. Not uncommon for an attorney. And I had accomplished all these things. And I remember sending my superiors a very detailed email of everything that had transpired in the previous few days. Now, in my sleep deprivation and having minimal time to actually get this email out, I referred to a colleague uh, named Mark by spelling his name M-A-R-K. Now, the way that you actually spelled his name was M-A-R-C. I knew this, but... In the moment, due to sleep deprivation, I just made an error. It could have been autocorrect at this moment. I don't even know. But in any event, the email was sent with his name being spelled M-A-R-K. Then I get a response back from one of the partners. And it was a partner that I didn't particularly care for anyway. (laughs) Um, But the email made no mention of everything that I had accomplished in the previous few days. Didn't say, hey, good job, nothing. All the email said was it spelled Mark, M-A-R-C. That one line and that letter C was enough to send me completely over the edge. And he had the nerve to put M-A-R-C in italics as if I needed the extra emphasis to really get it. Now, on a normal day, I probably would have let all of this roll off my back. I might have sent a quick reply apologizing for the typo and kept it moving. But man, listen, because I was so over that job and wanted out and was short on patience, I was ready to click reply and tell that man where he could shove the letter C. I am not the Zen master. I have my moments, too. I am a work in progress. But thankfully, I had the wherewithal not to send that message. I probably would have ended up fired if I did. But in any event, it did set things in motion for me to actually make a move away from that job. Now, you may be saying you left the job over an email. No, it was not the email. That was the final straw 
after a lot of things had transpired. And it wasn't just the email itself. It was what the email and my reaction to it represented. I didn't like the fact that something so minor made me feel like I was going to snap. And that's when I realized that the stress in that job and my response to it just wasn't good for me or my health. And I had to find a better working situation. And that next working situation was my solo practice. I didn't leave the next day. I didn't respond to the email with the resignation letter, but I started taking legitimate steps to make the transition. And eventually I had a very amicable split with my employer and they were very supportive in a number of different ways of me launching my own firm. Now, I'm not saying that the minute you feel yourself about to snap over a simple exchange with your boss that it's time to go. But there are some overarching themes here that you can use as markers or indicators for when it's time for you to make a move. So let's get into signs that may mean it's time for you to leave that job or business that you cannot stand. Number one, it is making you sick, not figuratively, but literally. Have you ever had the experience where your hair is falling out or you're having digestive problems or medical issues that doctors can't explain or diagnose? It just might be stress. Stress is a silent killer. I am trained to handle high stress and high pressure situations. And there have been a handful of occasions where I ended up in urgent care or the ER with the doctor staring me in the face and saying, if you don't change your lifestyle, you're going to have some serious issues moving forward. Your health has got to come first. I don't care what moves you have to make. If a job or a business situation or a partnership is making you physically unwell, do what you can to make the change. We all want to be great. We all want to be successful, but it's not worth having a stroke or a heart attack in the process. So just make sure your physical well-being is top of mind in your pursuit of a career and a life that you enjoy. Sign number two, the environment is toxic or your boss is a bully. I don't know if you guys have been catching these exposés that have been written in recent years about these amazing leaders in business who have built these incredible well-known brands and who are very charismatic in the public eye but a nightmare to work for behind closed doors. This has become a running theme, it seems, and I don't care how amazing the company. Nobody deserves to be in a hostile work environment or to deal with an abusive boss. So you may be saying, yeah, my boss is terrible or I can't stand the environment that I work in, but I'm good. One red flag that you may not be good and it might be time to move on is if that negativity is seeping into your personal life and your personal relationships. If you're finding that your conversation is consumed by how much you cannot stand your job or your boss, might be time to start making moves, okay? So if when you get on the phone with your loved one, your family member, close friend, or significant other, and the whole time you're just venting and complaining, that tells me that that negativity is now in your psyche. And it's important that you start to change your working environment. And I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Your loved ones are tired of hearing it. They may not tell you to your face because they don't want to hurt your feelings and they want to appear to have a listening ear. But I can guarantee you, if you're on the phone and this is the fifth, sixth time they've had to hear about how bad work is for you, they might be rolling their eyes like, oh my gosh, just please stop talking. And can I get a word in edgewise to escape from this conversation? It's a hard truth, but nobody wants to deal with someone who's just negative 100% of the time. And it may not be your fault because you're under an incredible amount of stress, but it is your responsibility to change your surroundings so you are not that negative person in your personal life. Sign number three, your performance is subpar because you're over it. I know this happens to the best of us. You can be the hardest worker, very good at your job, have all the expertise, but because you're so burnt out and you don't want to be in it anymore, you start to cut corners. You're not meeting uh, the obligations of your job. 
and it's not looking good. You are better served to actually resign on your own terms than to be terminated for poor performance. We live in an incredibly small world. So my personal philosophy is that when I leave a situation, no matter how bad, if someone left behind is asked about my performance, I want them to have to lie to point me in a negative light. What I mean by that is I don't want to do anything that gives someone ammunition to be able to block an opportunity for me in the future. You never want to slack to the point of tarnishing your own reputation. If it's that bad, make the moves to exit on your own terms. Now, when it's clear to you that you've got to make the leap, how do you do so seamlessly? First and foremost, you have to make sure that you have the right size parachute. What I mean by that is before you embark on the next chapter of your professional journey, make sure your plan matches your level of risk tolerance. Now, don't click stop on this podcast and say that I told you that if you hate your job and your boss is terrible, then you should immediately just bounce and fly blind. That is not necessarily the move for everyone. Everyone's not meant to live as a starving artist or struggling entrepreneur, and there is nothing wrong with that. I admire the stories these actors tell about leaving for Hollywood with $300 in their pocket and a dream. But I'll tell you right now, I'm not cut out for that life. So if you're not someone who's interested in living pillar to post or hand to mouth, it's okay to secure your financial future and figure out what your next opportunity is going to be before you leave that bad situation. There are public figures who took the conservative approach and still arrived at their desired destination. A good example of this is Shandra Wilson. Most people know her as Miranda Bailey on the long-running show Grey's Anatomy. But prior to landing that role, she had a number of guest spots on primetime television shows like Law & Order, Sex and the City, and The Cosby Show. And for eight years before Grey's Anatomy took off, she worked part-time at a bank. And even after she scored the pilot for Grey's and throughout that first season. Do you know she kept her job at the bank and worked there when she could because she wanted to make sure that if Grace didn't work out, she had a consistent source of income and could continue to take care of her children. So her parachute had to be a little bit bigger. She had the show and she had the bank. Nothing wrong with that. For somebody else, they might have just engaged in a free fall once they landed that pilot and figured out the rest later. We all have our own journey. Next, never be afraid to choose passion over prestige. And what I mean by that is once you leave a bad situation, let's say you're ready to invest in your passion, but it's not going to generate any income for you. Never be afraid to take a job that's menial, but that gives you the bandwidth and the headspace to be able to invest in your passion when you're not at work. Now, I live and work in the New York City area. So when I meet someone new, nine times out of 10, one of the first questions that they ask me is, what do you do for a living? It's just the nature of the beast here. People judge you by your career. They judge you by your credentials. You've got to get over people's perception or thoughts about the path that you're choosing for your life. So if you're choosing to drive Uber so that you're able to spend time writing a book or working on your first screenplay or getting a business up and running, but you need to keep the lights on in the meantime, that's fine. Or you have some other job that you're overqualified for, but that gives you the time and space and flexibility to chase your dreams. Nothing wrong with that. And you can't let anyone make you feel bad about your choices. Also, be prepared for the snarky comments. Everyone likes to tell stories about Steve Jobs building computers in a garage or share pictures of Jeff Bezos in a tiny little office with his computer and an Amazon sign on the wall. Those same folks will judge you for working out of your garage or starting something in your living room. They may even make comments like, oh, so when are you going to get a real job? This business you've got going is cute, but are you making any money yet? You've got to block all that out and run your race. But one word of caution. 
Sometimes when you have these menial jobs that help pay the bills and give you the time to invest in your passion, there is sometimes one negative effect. Because it doesn't stimulate you in any way, by the time you get home, you're just as drained as you were when you had that really stressful job that you couldn't stand. So you got to make sure you push yourself, even though you might be bored to tears and running on autopilot all day or throughout the night, you have to stick to your schedule and stick to your commitment to spend your downtime or your off time actually working to build something. Now, once you leave a bad work situation, don't feel bad if you don't become Tim Ferriss overnight. I love the guy. I listen to his podcast. I've read the book. But the reality for a lot of us is we're not going to get to a four hour work week in record time. We're not going to be closing deals from a beach in Bali while some virtual assistant in the Philippines takes our calls. And that's okay. Just because you take the leap from a bad work situation doesn't mean you're going to land in your ideal job or business. Oftentimes, you've got to go from bad to a better situation and then a better situation after that and keep building until you reach your desired destination. So move in lockstep if that's what works for you. No two journeys are the same. You've got to do what's best for your sanity and for your life. Don't be afraid to take the leap, but make sure you've got the right size parachute. Well, I am just about out of time for today. But before I go, I want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast. We are on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, where possible, please rate, review, and leave comments. And if you like what you're hearing, tell a friend. Let somebody know. I appreciate you so much. Until next time, remember, be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Take care. Thank you for listening to the December 26th podcast. I am your host, Delisha. This episode was produced by Demarcus Adisa, and music was provided by Thovo. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at December 26er. That's December 26ER.